And at that point, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go for the Olympics. <laughs> I don't care what's, what's in my way. It may take four years, it might take six years, it may take eight years, I am gonna go for it. Welcome to The Other Three Years, a show for anyone who has an Olympic-sized dream they wanna turn into a reality. Hi, and welcome to The Other Three Years podcast. This week on the podcast, I interview my 2023 national team teammate, Justin Best. Justin is a six-time national team member between the junior U23, senior, and Olympic teams. And he most recently won a silver medal in the men's four at the World Champs this summer and is now back training to try to make his second Olympic team and hopefully race in Paris this summer. So Justin and I had a great conversation, but it was a little long. And that's a great thing for all of you because it means that we get to split my interview with Justin into two episodes. So in this week's episode, it will be part one of my conversation with Justin. And we talked about how he got into rowing. And honestly, it's a pretty fun story, including the movie The Social Network. And that kind of got us on the topic of rowing movies. So then we discussed the upcoming Boys in the Boat movie that's premiering on Christmas. Justin and I also talked about how he worked his way onto the junior and U23 teams and his experience racing at the Olympics. Um so it's a super fun conversation, and I really hope that you all enjoy it. But before we get into the conversation with Justin, here is an update on what is currently going on in my training. I am in Saratoga, and it is officially Head of the Charles Week, which is very exciting. Head of the Charles, like I've been alluding to the past few weeks in the podcast, is like rowing Christmas in the U.S. Like it's a festival of rowing. It's super fun. It's obviously in Boston or in Cambridge, Massachusetts this upcoming weekend. And I'm racing in the women's championship single on Saturday and then the women's championship eight on Sunday. So I'm really excited to be racing twice. That's going to be super fun. The single is going to be a barn burner because like I've been saying, there is a $10,000 cash prize for first place in the women's and men's championship singles. So yeah, everyone's going to come out guns blazing, which they do anyways. So um, it's definitely like a bit interesting because this was also the first uh, full week back at training for all of the national team athletes that competed at the 2023 world champs. So definitely a bit of a quick turnaround, but you know, I've always liked a challenge and I think that it's just really awesome. And it's, you know, great moments come from great moments. And I feel so lucky to be able to line up at a start line with so many really accomplished athletes from the U.S., from other countries, and just go out and give it my all, try my hardest and, you know, see what happens. And, and that's true for everyone. Like we're all just going to go out and, and give our best. And it's so awesome that like, we all get to bring the best out of one another. And I just think that's so cool. So I'm, I'm really excited. I don't feel nervous. I'm sure I will feel a little bit nervous, but it's not like I lose $10,000 if I don't win. <laughs> that would definitely make me nervous. I don't have $10,000 to lose. But yeah, I think it's going to be really awesome. And I'm just 
pumped. It's going to be really fun. This week was kind of a crazy week. Uh, this past week, a lot of training, bit of uh, bit of traveling and, and just working and stuff. So getting back into the rhythm of things. And this upcoming week, I'm going to be in Saratoga the first half of the week and then going up to Boston for the second half of the week just to get some rows on the course and, you know, enjoy the energy that is head of the Charles. It's so fun. You get to see all your friends. Everyone's so excited to be there. My college coaches hated head of the Charles. They would like do this whole little bit before we would go of like pretending to be us seeing our friends from high school. Like, Oh my God. Hi. Ah. <laughs> like, But it's funny cause it's true, but it's so fun. I don't know. I love seeing friends and it, it's, it just is cool. Um, Michelle and I are, well, many of the national team athletes are signing autographs all weekend, either at the 776 tent or at the U.S. rowing tent. Michelle and I are signing uh, Sunday at 11 a.m. at the 776 tent. So if you would like to come and get your something signed by me and Michelle, then come at 11 a.m. And that's going to be fun. I have yet to sign up for an autograph signing for anything U.S. rowing. This is the first time I've ever done it because, I don't know, it's not really my vibe. But my dad is very proud of me for doing it. So I think it'll be fun. And I am happy to do it with Michelle because I can just be like, no, she's the superstar. <laughs> have her sign your stuff. Yeah. And then, I mean, obviously, like, we're going to hit it hard this week. We don't want to, you know, this is still an important week of training. And of course the head of the Charles is so fun and it's really awesome to have stuff like this on the calendar so that we can celebrate this amazing sport that we do. But at the end of the day, like the Olympics is the goal and we're just getting back into training. So I believe there will be some tough workouts on the schedule this week. And, you know, we'll have to, we'll have to get through some stuff before we can even get to the weekend. But I think it's all, it's all good. Personally, I'm like feeling so much better physically. Like I'm getting back into it. I can feel my body like transitioning back into training mode. It's like, yeah, let's do these hard workouts. Let's do all this volume. Yesterday, Saturdays, I tend to like front load the day so that I can have Saturday afternoon, just chill. And I was riding my bike. So we like do our Saturday morning race practice. Then I do my cardio. Then I do my little lift and I'm riding my bike home and I'm like, I'm dying. I can't even ride this bike back to my house. I'm, I'm like, oh, this four miles are never going to end. Like, woof. But I made it. Um, then today's Sunday. So we just got to do a nice long bike ride this morning. And yeah, feel good. Had some cleaning and some laundry and stuff ready for another great week. Yeah. So next week we'll have lots of updates from the crazy head of the Charles week, but just feeling, feeling excited about the process right now and motivated to just keep working and keep controlling, you know, what I can control and doing what I can do to keep making myself the best version of myself possible. And yeah. So now it's time for my interview with Justin Best. So hope you all enjoy it. I have Justin Best on the podcast this week and Justin, I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm pumped to be on. Thank you for having me, Christy. Yeah, of course. I thought we could just start 
I did read your U.S. rowing bio in preparation of today's uh, of today's recording. Source. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, and and your Wikipedia page, um, oh. which oh, is yeah, very yeah, impressive. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and it mentioned on your U.S. rowing bio that you started rowing because your parents watched The Social Network. So I yes. feel like there's got to be a pretty good story there. Yeah, yeah. So I, like many other people, were was bouncing around between sports um, in order to get into rowing. So like I played football in middle school. I got a pretty bad concussion one time. So for whatever reason, I was like the second smallest kid when I was starting like offense and I was a lineman. So like my quarterback and my running back were like taller than me, you know, I was a little seventh grader, but I go around a corner and I was going for a block and a kid that I wasn't anticipating was right there, helmet to helmet. And I remember like it happening and then I don't really remember it being back in the huddle, but I, I like came to in the next play. I was like, what oh was that? People were like, oh yeah, you were kind of slow to get to the, the huddle or whatever. And sure enough, like the next few weeks were just debilitating. Like I, I had bright lights hurt. I had headaches. Oh. I was like, I never want to feel like this ever again. And so I left <laughs> my football career, but I was an active kid and I wanted to, you know, go explore other sports. I joined like cross country, did like lacrosse. I played rugby, which I know is concussion, but it's, it's slightly less, um, I don't want to say like explosive, but at the same time, like the, the, the pace of play is slightly different than football where like sudden pops are a little less frequent. But at one point I was going into my freshman year of high school and the social network starring Army Hammer as the Winklevoss twins. It came out on On Demand and my parents were watching it over the summer, just like on our you know cable package. And they're like, oh, this is a pretty good movie. But they noticed that Army Hammer had like, you know, he's six foot five wide shoulder frame. And they were like, oh, he's got a big upper body. Justin has a big upper body. Like, you know, they were doing crew. Let's look into it. And so they Googled, you know, rowing camps and, and like learn to row and we found one. Uh, it was being hosted in Newport, Delaware. So I think within like a week or two, I was signed up for a learn to row camp, just generic week long camp. Like this is what an oar is, this is what the boathouse is. And I go down there and after day one, I was like, okay, this is actually pretty cool. Day two, day three, it just kept getting more and more excited about it. I was down in a new spot, meeting new people on a body of water I'd never been on. It was on the Christina river, which, you know, is kind of this river that runs through Northern Delaware lots of winding curves. And I thought it was just this cool thing that I could be outside, I could be on a body of water um, and, and get to travel to a different spot than kind of like the local, the, the bubble that I was like in at that point. And I haven't looked back since. And, and like I jumped into the car on the last day and I'm like, mom, I want to sign up for the fall session. Like, <laughs> let's go, let's go. I want to go for it. So yeah. that's kind of the story with that. I really wonder like, how I'm sure you're not the only one, right? That like started rowing because of that movie. I, yeah, I would love to hear someone else's story. I, I feel like the movie didn't portray the Winklevoss twins in the best light, you know? Like they yeah. they, they kind of were like, oh, the villains, but it's it's a story, you know, the, the it's just entertaining, you know. But but at the same time, I'm I'm genuinely curious if there's someone else out there that, you know, saw that and was like, hey, like I could I know that body of water or like I've seen head of the Charles or I've seen Henley. Like I want to give it a go. Cause I saw it on. And, and uh, I know this is kind of a off the, the topic, but bringing up like the boys in the boat 
No, like, that's what I was that? just gonna say. Oh, okay, all right. I wow. feel like yeah. the boys. It's like a great interlude to Boys in the Boat because people yes. are saying it's gonna like change the sport of rowing. So I hope, yeah, it yeah. brings some visualization to you know the the hard work and the effort that that those men embarked on in, in you know leading up to World War II. I think like that's the stage that it was set on, and then just kind of like the Great Depression. Everything about it is like this perfect story. So I, I think George Clooney will have his work cut out for him, but I think that he's got enough of um, a pulse on, on the on the sport that he could tell a really good story. Um, I, I know this was in 2018 when I was on the U23 team. He was already kind of in the works, like potentially directing it. And so he had already like contacted Washington Rowing, uh, Mike Callahan, who's just a... A historian of the sport specifically around Washington rowing and um, there was just so many interesting things that was going on in the background because there's a couple of different angles I guess you could have told that story from right like the build up to defeat the Nazis or the the, the crew collectively and each of their backgrounds and how they got to that point or what kind of the, the book did where it's like through the lens of Joe Rance you know that's such a a classic American overcoming tale. So it'll be interesting to see kind of where they ended up with that. But there's a lot of like good stuff. And I hope that there's more kids that were similar or, or parents that were similar to mine where they see that and they're like, hey, you know, let's sign our kid up for a learn to row. And, and at worst, they just spend a few days and they get to experience something new in, in a new setting. I'm also very curious what the movie is going to be like. Um, I liked the book. Yeah, I'm, I'm it, very interested. So no. I, I am excited for it too, and, and it's a shame. So um, ahead of the Charles is coming up, and so I guess there was a pre-screening of it. I'll, I'm not going to be in Boston this this fall. I did talk to somebody who has seen it, and he said okay. that it was very good. So good. yeah, all right. I mean, that was just one person's <laughs> opinion. So then obviously you rode in high school to get back to your uh, narrative. You were on some junior teams, right? And yep. so maybe you just talk a little bit about like what high school rowing was like kind of getting beginning into sort of like the U.S. rowing system, even though obviously mm -hmm. the junior and U23 teams are pretty different and kind of like recruiting how it's sort of all encompassing. You could probably talk for a long time about this whole thing, but just kind of yeah. like how you found yourself sort of junior rowing, going to Drexel, U23 team, what that whole process was like for you. I guess kind of like with the high school, just connecting to the, the, the back end of the learning to row. I initially picked it up and I, and I thought it was great, but I did more of like a recreational um, program. So it was, I think, like four days a week instead of like, you know, six days a week, which is a standard high school program. Um, and we would just, you know, show up, row. And, and like, I was like, I want to do academics and, and at least apt at school before I take on a full rowing um, schedule. And um, it wasn't really until kind of my sophomore year, I started kind of seeing this as, as more like I want to be competitive rather than, oh, this is just something that I want to do and I enjoy doing. Because I think those things can go hand in hand. Um, and up until like my sophomore year, I, I only really saw the one side of it. But when I was a sophomore, there was a guy on our team who made the junior national team four. So at, at that point, it was called junior national team instead of the U19 national team. I think he went to Plovdiv was was where and, and he came back and he had all this cool like 
international <laughs> kit and like he had all these insights and like knew all these kids from all around the country and I was like okay that's like pretty cool now at that point I was extremely far off of where you need to be to be on the U19 team so much so and, I, and he likes to remind me of it when I was a sophomore we went to an indoor rowing competition in the winter and uh, I was in the same event as Eamon Glavin and he beat me by like 20 seconds <laughs> On the 2K erg, he, he likes to bring that up. You know, he was he was like, "I beat you, I beat you." Um, so I was off the pace, but I kind of like I went to one of the ID camps and I saw um, it was it was up on the, the Schuylkill, like with St. Joe's Prep, and again, kind of this eye-opening experience, similar to what I had when I initially started the sport. You go to a new place, you see a big new boathouse, they have boats that you're not necessarily used to. You have a bunch of kids from all over the region that come together and they're all wearing different gear. And I was like, this is pretty overwhelming, but at the same time, it was very cool. And you all set up an erg and you do a 2K test. And I did horrible, of course, because that was my first one, like under pressure. But that's where I kind of got the bug for, all right, I kind of want to go for the, the U19 team. Uh, it was cool and, and exciting and something to kind of like push myself for even beyond just like that, um, the domestic high school like regattas. Fortunately, got, went through a growth spurt sophomore year, grew probably like five inches, I think, um, and you know, was able to bring my herb down a little bit more, got more competitive. I did a couple of summer camps between sophomore and junior year. And then junior year, I kind of was like, all right, junior team, let's go fully committed and did all my high school racing and was able to get an invite to the high performance camp. Mm -hmm. Through that camp, I went to the Canamex regatta, which was up in Nova Scotia and Canada, Mexico, and the United States. Had a bunch of great experience with that. And I was like, okay, now I wanna go for the, the U19 national team following year. So my senior year, I was fortunate enough to be selected for the eight. And uh, we went down to Rio de Janeiro where the, um, Obviously, the Olympics being held because we were the guinea pigs for the, the, the test event. That was a blast. We, we ended up <laughs> taking a silver medal, but it was awesome just like for the first time for like the real international race outside of just like the like Canada and uh, Mexico. Um, hearing coxswains talking in other languages was just so cool. I could see myself doing this for years to come. Um, you know, if I get good enough in college, potentially go for the U23 national team. Obviously, while that was kind of happening with the U19 team, I was being recruited to different colleges and um, I was in a pretty unique situation where Drexel offered me a scholarship to row specifically. That's not a very common thing in, in men's heavyweight rowing, obviously very common in NC2A for women's teams, but there's only a couple of different programs throughout the country that offer scholarship for men's teams. And I saw that and I was like, all right, you know, it's a team that's kind of on the up and coming. Um, it's relatively local to where I where I lived at the time, so I wasn't had I didn't have to take a six hour flight to get to it. And so I was like, yeah, let's let's lock it in and, and go support the Dragons up on the Schuylkill. And came off of uh, the junior national team um, and was a freshman at Drexel and had a good group of guys and, and really enjoyed my time there. And, and I met my lifelong friends uh, doing college rowing because it's just something about college rowing where you like. You're doing the 6 a.m. practices together, but you live together. You can go to the dining halls together. Like, I'm sure you have a bunch of friends from college that you're just going to stay friends with for the rest of your life. Yeah. Just because of that shared experience. And that's something that was slightly different than high school that I felt yeah. that I enjoyed a lot more. Like, 
lot more intimate, a lot more like um, consistent contact. Whereas like in high school, you, you show up to your practice, but you could be rowing with someone who's in a completely different course schedule than you. But in college, you have your dorms, you have the dining halls. A lot of people were in the same business school. So you'd see them around and, and like, obviously on the weekends you get to have a little fun, you know, <laughs> celebrate on a Saturday night. So that's, it was a great experience. And, and if anyone is on the fence about rowing in college, I would say absolutely do it. It's truly a great experience and you don't even need to go beyond college. Like you can just go, you, you have a good time, you can push yourself as far as you want to take it. Um, and then hopefully you have a bunch of teammates that you are comfortable with that push you as well. Throughout college, I had the intentions on rowing for the U23 national team. My freshman year wasn't nearly as fast enough as you need to be. My sophomore year of college, I did a summer camp at Vesper. I get a bunch of questions from you know kids like, hey, like how do I get faster? And I, my number one is in between summers, find a program and just get into a boat. Get maybe one to two scheduled races, like just so that you don't have this drop off as you get picked up again for the fall season. And I think like some of the best small boat skills that I've ever developed were through summer programs. Totally would recommend. There's a lot of great ones throughout the country. You get to race at summer nationals. I don't know, have you ever raced Canadian Henley? Many times. Okay. Yeah. Canadian Henley's super fun. Especially Great in college. Right? In yeah. college, yeah, exactly. You're, you're, you're like, I have a race the next morning, but also, the, <laughs> what is it, the, the tilted kilt is open? Yeah, like, yeah, the tilted yeah, kilt. Yeah. That's, that's where you learn to balance uh, social and, and rowing. And I think it's a great regatta. I would yeah. highly endorse going to it if you have the opportunity. Um, my junior year of college, tried out for the U23 national team, was fortunate enough to get an invite to um, Seattle where the selection camp was being held uh, right on Washington's campus. And, and again, that was kind of another like, oh my gosh, this, this train is rolling. Momentum is, is building, you know, was fortunate enough to make the, the eight. Um, we traveled to Lucerne, Switzerland that summer to race in the third world cup. And we were racing against the senior teams. You know, the German eight literally went and won the world championships later that year. That was a pretty eye-opening experience because all of a sudden this, this massive like mountain that looked insurmountable before, like the bridge between me and those, those athletes became that much closer. Um, we ended up making the A final. We got fourth in the A final. Uh, we had a great momentum going into our like little camp building up to U23 Worlds. And then we went to U23 Worlds in 2018 in Poznan. And we set a, a world's best time and, and won a gold medal. And, and at that point, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go for the Olympics. Like, <laughs> I don't care what's what's in my way. Like, I it may take, you know, four years. It might take six years. It may take eight years. I am going to go for it um, absolutely after college. So had another year of U23. So I kind of rearranged my schedule for, for Drexel to graduate a little earlier. So did U23s in 2019 again. And that was in Florida. It was really cool to represent the United States in the United States. I think there's something extra special about that. And then I graduated in December of 2019 and moved to Oakland in January of 2020. I know that was just a whole lot, but that was kind of like <laughs> no, no, no. college. And no, I think it was good. And I feel like what really resonated to me was you weren't whatever smaller than you are now high school sophomore thinking, okay, I want to go to the Olympics. You were like, all right, here's a 
reasonable goal that I can like set for myself. Maybe I'm not there yet, but I can take steps to achieve it. And it's just kind of like climbing a ladder, which I think is something that a lot of people don't realize is that like all of us that maybe are now on the senior national team had to take all of those steps. And it seemed scary at the time to take, you know, the Canamex step or the whatever step, but like you have to take, you have to climb the ladder to get to the top. You can't just shoot up, you know, I think it's good. And I think it's good for people to hear like, no, I didn't just suddenly set a U23 world record. Like I, I did all of these things. It it is certainly that slow burn, slow build. Like I'm all into mentalities and sayings. and, And one of the ones that sticks with me is the man on top of the mountain didn't fall there. Like he wasn't just dropped from the sky. Like he had to go through the steps to build and build and build. And, and, and there are very few athletes in our sport that are just pick it up day one and are absolutely incredible. Right. Like I can think of like for on the men's side, like Ollie Zeidler hopped into a boat and like, he's genetically insane, (laughs) but that's, he's like the 90, like the 0.001% of athletes. Yeah. For myself, I, I think my first 2K was, like, when I started, was, like, an 810, an 805 to 815, so in that range. Very not anything, if, if the coach came by and looked at a bunch of crops of kids, they'd be like, uh, okay, whatever, like, he, he's just yeah. going to have fun. But it is very much that slow burn, it's that process, it's that understanding that, like, the big goals, in order to get there, you need to have more reasonable goals. And so whether that is, okay, I'm going to row this summer at the local high-performance club or um, I'm going to try and drop my scores or or like work on my small boat technique like all of those things that keep adding up and keep adding up and then yeah you eventually do hopefully see some success what I would love for people to take away is like it is not a linear it is very much ups and downs and injuries and and you get sidetracked and you get sick and then sometimes you're not motivated and then you know, sometimes you have a lot of motivation and then like not trying to overdo it when you have that and, and things of that nature. It's like you, you learn, you build, and I'm still learning and building, and not nearly where I would like to be, but I think that's a good thing too, because it's always the carrot at the end of the end of the stick. So I'm glad you like personally can relate to that too, because your, your story is not like junior national team gold medalist to Yale, uh, NCAA yeah, champion to world champion. It's like, that's, that is an unrealistic timeline for yeah. pretty much everyone in the sport. And it is actually really funny because when I was racing at like Olympic trials in 2021, I guess one of the announcers was like overnight sensation, Christy Wagner. And my club coach was like, yeah, it takes 10 years to be an overnight sensation. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 like yeah. are you kidding me? You really think that anyone would just like come from nowhere? Like it's, yeah. you know. No, no so. it's like you clearly weren't there for the, the long 20K bros where yeah. I was hanging my catch or or like when I was like just mentally down on myself and couldn't break a PR or like yeah. that announcer is not there for that. They can just be like, oh, six minute race. Uh, yeah, the overnight sensation, Christy Wagner. Like, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's what we like to say now. It takes 10 years to be an overnight sensation. Overnight. <laughs> I love that. No, I, I, that is great. <laughs> well, I feel like another thing that's pretty cool is I feel like there's a pretty big group of guys that are still training that have been kind of in the same like age group circuit, U19, U23. Yeah. Like... Yeah, we don't really have that quite the same 
on the women. I mean, obviously there are women that. Yeah, 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 know, yeah, yeah. But, but it's um, not like a huge concentration. Yeah. Yeah. I, I how has that been? Like it's it's been it's been great uh, to be honest, and and I think it's very easy to look at immediate results and be like, oh, it's succeeding. Oh, it's failing. So, in my opinion building these long processes to hopefully see results at the highest level. In, in my straight four this summer, all four of us did the junior national team. We did U23s. We were all at the Oakland Training Center at one point, but we all went to the Olympics at one point. So we didn't have like lightning in a bottle immediate success when we were seniors, but we all had that international traveling from, from U19. We all had that experience whether it was positive or negative at U23s, I think like having that is something that not only do you get to have the experience in the racing and like, okay, this is what it is like to travel, which I think is slightly underestimated. Like you have to know how to be a good athlete and maintain. And, mm-hmm. and like the people who get across the pond and then their back gives out, like you can see who's been the senior. Oh, I need to do this on the plane. Like just small stuff like that. Like, or finding what works for them as an athlete. The people who have that experience, like you can tell. But aside from just that, it's also like we've come up through the system together. Like I rode with Grady in 2018. Grady kind of aged out. I rode with Liam in 2019 in that kind of like summer group. Um, Nick was slightly older than us, but he did through the same system. He did the U23s and, and like had the same coaches at, at U19. And obviously we all rode together at, at the Oakland Training Center. And that kind of bleeds over into the eight of the, the men's eight and, and the men's pair as well. It's like a bunch of those guys were U23, junior, like U19. I'm not saying that like it's absolutely necessary, but it's also good to just have that. You can track the athletes throughout the system. And ideally, it all works out in, in Paris. And, you know, you can say, OK, here's the result. But I think we're on a good step. And I, and I know for the women's teams, it's very similar in, in like you've gotten yourselves up until that point, you're meddling um, in very competitive fields. You can kind of like take a look back now and be like, okay, so maybe it wasn't all bad. Cause I feel like, especially after Tokyo and you probably experienced this too, everyone was like, oh, we have to completely get rid of the system. Yeah. Like, whoa, whoa. Like, for me personally, I feel like there was a lot of positives and, and there are some differences that need to be changed, obviously. You can't just look at that and be like, no change is necessary. But I think like the U19 system, the U23 system, having those as like that core structure is absolutely critical to continuing the development in the long term. Totally. And I feel like you have to, I agree, like you have to develop and there's no way to sort of fake experiences and like fake you know, yeah, experiences and, and gaining, yeah. like, I don't know. There's no way to have raced an Olympic final unless you've raced an Olympic final. Like, exactly. just, exactly. it's not, it's not going to happen. Like, there is no other situation that yeah. ha- that you're in the same stress like and I used to tell like I used to literally in my brain think like well it's not like I'm racing in the Olympic final like that's how I would calm myself down <laughs> did and you then, have a thought when you were sitting at the starting line it's like oh wait we are late. literally oh, literally no, it's, it became reality <laughs> yeah like literally it wasn't at the start line I think it was like on the bus like driving yeah. to the final yeah, to the and venue. I was just like yeah 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 
oh no, like. <laughs> oh, oh gosh, no, um, we are racing the Olympic final. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remember sitting on the start line. It's like quiet and like the, there's like those like rollers that are like lapping it. And I'm like, oh boy, like this is happening. Like this is, this is it. Like we're, we're going. And I got like Hamish Bond, my immediate, like to the right of me. I'm like, oh my God, what the all right, let's do this. So it's, congratulations on going to the Olympics. It is a great accomplishment. Um, you as well. You as well. Thank, thank you. It's where we first met, I think. Well, actually, Hawaii leading up to that, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And I do actually think that we could all celebrate each other more. I feel like sometimes when you're always like hanging out with olympians and people that are meddling at worlds and like whatever it just starts to become like oh, okay good job but it's like yeah no that's actually very cool and i think yeah you know, that's so. a that's a very good point yeah it's, um, it's like we do through through the efforts and and everyone like we kind of were just talking about like through the hard work like we did accomplish at least something up to that yeah. point that's like pretty worth like celebrating over yeah so what was it like, kind of, like, what did it mean to you to to make the Olympics and then kind of coming off of that, like, did you immediately know I want to go into another cycle or did you take some time to, like, think about it? I was so, so kind of, like, crossing the finish line, I'm like, I have to do it again because we were, we were 1.0 seconds, 1.07 seconds out of a medal. I was fortunate. I was at the Olympic Games when I was 23. So I was like, I still have years to, to kind of give and develop. Um, so I knew that from the start. And then I think like overall, I thought it was just this unbelievable human experience to go to the Olympic Games because it's this special place where everyone is there from around the world um, to do what they are excellent at and, and what they are truly masters of their respective sport. I don't think that's replicated anywhere. Um, I don't see like um, a trading, a trade convention with like data scientists from truly every single like representative country. That's something extremely unique. And then walking around the village, hearing all the different languages is pretty surreal. You know, you're, you're going by someone speaking Mandarin and then Portuguese. And then, um, you know, you have countries that are at odds with each other politically but they are all there coexisting. And it kind of like lifts the veil, like, hey, we are all just people fundamentally. And, and like, there's a whole lot of extra stuff that is, in my opinion, relatively eliminated in the game, like around the games in the village. And I'm excited to kind of, you know, hopefully go through the process again, go, go to Paris um, and kind of see a non-COVID version of it. Because obviously, mm-hmm. Everyone was very conscious of not catching it because there was COVID in the village. But I still feel like I got like a taste of it. And I'm like very excited to kind of see what else there is in, in the Paris village. You know, meeting people from all over. I, I, I traded, there's these pins at the Olympics. I don't know if you've spoken about them on, on your podcast already, but. I think a few other people have sort of alluded to them. I was really bad at pin trading, so you can definitely discuss it a little bit. Um, Each country has a couple of different pins and they're very much, you just put them on your clothes. I had them on like a lanyard and you go up to different people from, it really doesn't matter where, and you just say, hey, want to trade a pin? And you just have that like small connection with that person. And I go up to, no, I guess 
he approached me. It was the Uzbekistan boxing coach. <laughs> and he comes up to me and super friendly guy asked me to trade a pin. And I don't know if you've seen Borat, but like Sasha Barrett Cohen, I was always under the impression that he was doing a bit with the accent of, of the Uzbekis. <laughs> He sounded exactly like him. Like, like, would you like to trade? Like, I'm not going to try and do that because, like, obviously, I probably would butcher it. But that's exactly what he sounded like. And so I'm sitting there as an American, just like thinking my own little like American thoughts. Like, is he making fun of like the Uzbekistan people? But no, that's just like how he spoke English. And I was like, yeah, I'll trade a pin with you. And so now I have an Uzbekistan boxing pin. It, it was just such a cool experience. And I was trying not to laugh because I'm like, is he like? Is he messing with it? Does he think that like, but nope, that's just how they spoke. And I'm like, that's awesome. I, I don't think many people have an interaction similar to that uh, if yeah. you're, you know, out and about. I totally agree. I feel like it was so cool, but there were so many things that, you know, COVID made much more difficult and like yes. just interact. I think everyone was so nervous because we had to test so often and. Yeah. There obviously was COVID, so it definitely yeah. made it. And then as soon as we finished racing, we had to leave. Are you racing ahead of the Charles? I am. I'm racing yeah. in the single, and we're racing in eight of all the scholars from the national team this summer in the Champ 8 on Sunday. Oh, that's so fun. <laughs> yes. Are you going to beat the sweep? Is there a sweep there too? Oh, there are two. We're sandwiched between the like women's eight from this Let's summer go. and then the women's four, the pair and the spare pair in an eight. And we're <laughs> so. That's so fun. I didn't know that was happening. You guys got this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> go Scullers. Don't. Go don't, Scullers. Don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see that. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be funny. Like right now we're trying to decide if we should practice or if like I'd we should say, just go in I'd blind. Say, Get one paddle, but not the day before racing, because that's always just like a wake nightmare. Like if you can well, go to like yeah. CRI, like go yeah. the opposite direction of the course, I'd say yes. But if not, do it blind. Because like if you get out there and it's bouncy and you're just like, because there's a yeah. lot of boats out, you're not going to feel like you got anything productive done. But yeah. Yeah. Any eights advice for us? Hit it hard at the front end, man. Like <laughs> Get your blade in because like. <laughs> By the time you try and like pick it up and be like loose and connect, like it's already gone. So okay. I'd say get, get the blade in, you know, just good. Um, good. no, that, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. It'll be fun. I'm sad. I'm going to miss it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hopefully nobody catches a crab or anything. But. Yeah. Yeah. No, you guys are good. You, you have to worry about double the, the, the stuff that a sweet boat would have to worry about. So like it's literally 50% of. What you have to deal with. I know we don't have, well, and we don't have to steer. So like, yeah, yeah. oh my gosh, no one's, no one needs to do this. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, no, it'll be fun. Cool. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time and I feel yeah, like thank this was you. awesome. Thank you. Well, that's it for this week. And I really want to thank Justin so much for coming on the podcast. I learned so much speaking with him and I really hope that all of you did too, but be sure to tune in next week to hear part two of my conversation with him. And in that episode, Justin and I talk about how important it is for all of us to have like passions and work outside of rowing. And he kind of shares how important it's been for him to have things outside of rowing, especially like as he's been living out in Oakland. We also talk about 
Justin's new foray uh, into the world of memes on Instagram and what he's most looking forward to in the next year. Before I close the show, I just want to share my quote of the week. So this is from Roald Dahl. Those who don't believe in magic will never find it. So thanks for listening. Have a great week. Bye. I'd love to hear from you. So send us a topic suggestion, or if you'd like to submit a question for our Ask Christy Anything segment, head to our website, theother3years.com.